What's up and welcome back, EJ family, as we are continuing our discussion on life and leadership as we continue to study Nehemiah. This week, we have made it to Nehemiah 7, and I think it starts right off the rip with some really excellent nuggets to tune into. It says that after the wall was built, that Nehemiah set up gatekeepers, singers, and Levites. And I think this is important because number one, it shows that once you have said yes to Jesus in your life, that you're not done there, that you will need guardrails, that you will need gatekeepers, that you will need things that keep your heart and your mind focused on honoring God. Because when you hit cruise control in your life with Jesus, it's not actually that you stay in one place. You actually go behind. And so it's wisdom that once the walls were built, that he still puts doors and gatekeepers on it to make sure that there are holy guardrails in place. And then I really love this next bit. Because what he does next is he sets up singers and Levites. These are the people who lead us in praise. And I was reading a commentary on this chapter, and it says, Every victory should lead us to deeper praise. And I love that because I think it shows the focus of who makes us successful, the point of our work. It shows us, are we praising ourselves for the work that we have accomplished today? Or do we truly put the focus on knowing that the Lord made us prosperous? And I think we can compare this to the Tower of Babel. Because in Genesis 11, what we see is that there's a group of people who want to build this tower up to the heavens. And what they say is, Let us make a name for ourselves. But what we see here is that Nehemiah has a work that was done for the Lord, and he immediately wants to establish praise to show who this work is for, to show who this work glorifies, to connect with the Father. Because Nehemiah knows who this work belongs to. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. Because who do you build for? Every day we build towers. We work on something. And do you stamp your accomplishments like the Tower of Babel? Like, do you say, let me make a name for myself? Or do each day when you complete a work, do you say, let me glorify you, Father? And I want to linger on the topic of praise for a minute because I've heard some jaded perspectives on worship from other people. Number one, we don't have to go very far in Scripture to see that the Lord has great purpose and meaning in our worship and that it is a commandment, right? So we see in Psalm 95, 1, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And then Colossians 3, 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts. In Psalm 29, 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And we can see over and over again in scripture the importance and the commands of worshiping the Father. And hear me, I do think the point is the Lord's holiness, to put our perspective and our vision back on Him, to take it off of ourselves, to ascribe splendor to His name. And I think it's no accident that the Lord created our hearts and our bodies to emotionally connect with worship, 
But this is the part that I've heard a little bit calloused, a little bit calloused perspective from other people. Like, oh, did you really experience the Lord or did you just feel moved by that chord change or D minor or whatever it may be? I've even heard people say, oh, churches, you know, they start out the service with worship because it ties you in emotionally to what's going on, kind of a way to manipulate your feelings into what you're going to hear next. And what I think about that is the Lord knew the way that he made our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our hearts. I think he created us to emotionally respond to worship so that we emotionally connect with him. And I was recently listening to a Focus on the Family podcast about men and women and marriage. And on there, they said, you know, women actually have better memories than men. And why is that? The conclusion was that because women more often attribute emotion to memory, right? And when you have emotion connected with memory, it lingers with you longer. You remember it longer. And so I think there's a purpose that we have this emotional connection with worship because it connects us to those moments of triumph and victory that we give him the glory for. It helps anchor our hearts and our minds on who is holy, on who we live this life for so that we can anchor our memories to Him. So yeah, maybe I was moved by that specific chord progression or that D minor or whatever it may be, because the Lord intended for me to, because the Lord made me to respond to Him in that way. The Lord wanted me to be able to emotionally connect with Him and worship before service. So we see Nehemiah set up gatekeepers. We see him setting up worship. And then what do we do is we see him passing on the leadership role that he has. It says, then I gave the role of governor to my brother. And I think this shows again that Nehemiah didn't find too much identity in this specific work because he knows that roles change, that life will change. And he's not holding on too tightly on this triumphant moment because he knows that this was a sacrifice and this was a work that he gave to the Lord. And it's just another warning for us because anything that we put too much identity into that can be changed, that can be taken from us, it can shatter our confidence in ourselves. If we hold on to anything too tightly that we're not willing to offer up to the Father, then we are giving it power over what we think and believe about ourselves. Because seasons will change, because roles will change, but we are useful in every season and in different roles if our purpose is always to glorify God. And lastly, again, we see the names of all the Jews who gave up and sacrificed and came back to Jerusalem instead of staying in Babylon. And we've already seen these names listed in Ezra too. And I think this just underscores the fact that the Lord does honor your sacrifice to live a life of holiness. Because walking uprightly will sometimes require sacrifice, you know? Maybe it means that Sometimes you have to say no to a more lucrative position because the mission of that work in that place, in that atmosphere is not honoring God, that that company is not where you honor the Father. Or maybe it means that you have to let go of relationships with people who drag you into gossip or negativity or promiscuity or greed. 
Maybe it means that you have to say no to a new car or, you know, there's multiple family vacations or participating in, you know, these extracurricular activities sometimes so that you can remain faithful to the tithe. Because I want you to pause and evaluate. Have you ever sacrificed for the Lord? Do you say no to momentary pleasure or temporary gain? for an everlasting satisfaction of a life well lived for the Father. Because if you call yourself a Christ follower and you can't pinpoint times in your life where you've had to tell your flesh no, then I want you to reevaluate who and what really owns your soul. Because it can't be both you and Jesus calling all the shots in your life. You have to be honest with yourself in asking, Is Jesus just my Savior, or is He my Lord? I hope that you enjoyed Nehemiah 7 today. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with some friends. Check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Everyday Jesus Community. And I can't wait to be with you all next time. And until then, just remember, every day, Jesus. Jesus.